Hey everyone, this is Beth. And I'm Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. And it's our mission to help you to see yourselves with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey, well, be sure to head on over to YouTube where you're going to find some awesome Enneagram content in addition to the podcast where not only can you hear us, but also you can watch Beth and I in action. Right in here. In action on yep. YouTube. So be sure to like and subscribe there. On this particular episode, we're going to be talking about productivity, specifically about procrastination. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I found a super helpful article online that really sparked my uh, thoughts about procrastination as it pl- uh, plays out in my own life. Yeah. And it's a book called It's About Time, The Six Styles of Procrastination mm-hmm. and How to Overcome Them. Now, we're going to go over all of those in here in just a moment, and then okay. we're going to apply the Enneagram. But I, I'm curious, Beth, how, how does procrastination show up for you as an Enneagram 9? Oh, my gosh. Do we really want to go there? Uh, that's why we're here, Beth. So if you didn't want to go there, it would have been helpful if you would have told me before we planned a series on it. Okay, put me on the spot. Well, I'm procrastinating to talk about procrastinating. But what, because what, it's uncomfortable. Like as a nine, you know, we don't like uncomfortable things. We yeah. like our cozy comforts. And so now I've got to show up here and like tell the whole world, yeah, I like to procrastinate. And a lot of times for us nines, it's maybe because we've said yes to something that we really wish we would have said no to. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know. Uh, Another big one's inertia. Yeah. Uh, just getting started on a project yeah. can be tough. Yeah. So nine struggles with inertia, and that's when something's at rest, it stays at rest. Now, when something's at in motion, it stays in motion. But the hardest part is to get out of not being in motion into motion. And so a lot of times what will help us to get into motion is procrastinating long enough where you don't have a choice and now you've got to get going. And now that can be a motivator, but it also can bring a lot of anxiety and worry and frustration, whether at ourselves or others towards us or, and and maybe you can't produce the, um, the, same quality of work had mm-hmm. we done it a little bit before. So a lot of nines will use procrastination to wake themselves up, have that energy spurt and to get going. Yeah. I know that for me as a six, now it, it, it may show up in a variety of different ways, but it's usually around anxiety. Mm-hmm. I know some sixes that uh, may not procrastinate because their anxiety actually moves them towards getting the project done, maybe frenetically or anxiously. Sure. Mm-hmm. For me, what happens when anxiety steps in is that the nine part of my Enneagram internal profile, and we'll talk about this in a bit, it comes online. So I'm ruminating on something. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like I'm and working on part. it. And and uh, and uh, part of it is because I don't have all the data. Right. Uh, I, I don't feel comfortable. So usually the part is I, I have to go and order some books. Mm-hmm. I have to do some research, do some articles, and put some thoughts together. And it looks a lot like procrastinating until I have enough information. And then I just get flooded because I'm overwhelmed. But understand whether it's frenetic activity uh, that I jump in anxiously or I get kind of flooded and can't move and procrastinate. It's all around the idea of anxiety. Well, the interesting thing, so I was reading this article that I found uh, from Fast Company about these six types of procrastination. Um, And then we're going to start talking about how the Enneagram applies to this because it's not a direct correlation. And I think the Enneagram has something very specific to say about procrastination. So the first uh, style that this author writes about is the perfectionist. 
Now, you would immediately think that the perfectionist is directly related to the type 1, maybe a 9 or 2 with a 1 wing. Sure. But the idea is that perfectionism creates procrastination because they can't get it right. And they want to make sure that it's right. And all nine types can be perfectionistic. They're just going to do it in their own way. That's right. So the type six might be perfectionistic. The type five might be more. Even the type four. Yeah, all of them could. Yeah. I'm, I just, I'm just, <laughs> Your mind just saying hurts. the numbers. Yeah. That's right. All in my head. So <laughs> that reminded and, me of, what's that? That reminded me of Dwight Schrute when he was counting um, at the volleyball game, trying to give Pam and... Uh, Oh, yeah, time, because they were in the hospital yeah. or something like that, yeah. <laughs> he kept counting. Yeah, so anyway, as you were counting, I'm like, yeah, you could count all the nine types. It's going to be the same. <laughs> all the, the nine types thing. can be perfect. I was having a lot of thoughts in my head as I was <laughs> counting. That sounds great. Could be the, yeah, yeah, it could be the next one, the next one. Well, the next one is the dreamer, the dreamer about mm-hmm. um, knowing how much they can get done or the dreamer of just uh, being distracted by a lot of different variables, whether it be checking email, mm-hmm. checking TikTok, or just ways to get around it. Yeah. Um, when you think of the dreamer as a way of procrastinating, mm. what comes to mind oh, for gosh. you? Gosh, I could think of several. Um, the first couple that pops in my mind the most would be the fours, the sevens, and the nines. Yeah. Now, that's just because it popped in my mind first. It doesn't mean that they are the, uh-huh. the ones that win on this. But the four has this idealized version of um, anything. Yeah. And so, again, that can kind of fall into perfectionism as well. But a dreamer of... The, the most ideal way something could be, and maybe it's unique form. Mm-hmm. The seven, though, they're going to take it into this creative spend of future thinking of like, what is the next most exciting or adventurous or wonderful thing? It's interesting. I think of the type six who's always thinking of, well, what about this? What about this? Mm-hmm. But even the seven is also thinking, yeah. what about this? What about this? But it's from a positive spin. And the nines, you know, we tend to like to be in more of that op- optimistic thinking, but it falls into the category of being unrealistic at times yeah. and daydreaming, basically. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the worrier. And oh, so, I don't know who just, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> so, not only just being concerned about fulfilling the project and doing a great yeah. job, but also worrying about uh, what other people will they approve of yeah. the work. That- I mean, we could go through all the nine types. You know, the type one, they're worried about doing it right and what their inner critic would say. The two might be worried, does everyone feel nurtured and cared for? The type threes are going to be... I'd be interested to know what words ones would use to describe their anxiety. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they would say that they're anxious or that they're worried. But, sure. But their processes that mm-hmm. the inner critic is walking them through yeah, like is this, actually a form the of The systems anxiety. and the processes, yeah, yeah it, it creates a, a different sense of anxiety and worry for them. And, and that's great because I, I think that's when people hear words, they attribute like one set of things to it. When if you kind of kind of take a step back and see, wait, no worry kind of, you know, is for all people. And when Jesus said, do not worry, you know, he's not just saying it to one group of people. That's right. But the threes could be worried about if they don't achieve or succeed, what are others going to think? Yeah. Even so it, an eight could be worried. I mean, if you yeah. see an eight getting strong, there's usually worry yeah. or fear are, behind that. Are they going to be controlled? Are they um, getting blindsided, manipulated? You know, what's going on in this situation? Well, the next category is the crisis maker. And this come, these crises come about in two different ways. It's where they've been too optimistic about either their time mm-hmm. Or their capacity. Right. So they've mm-hmm. overcommitted to something. Wow. There's a lot of types that overcommit. Yes. For obviously different reasons. Yeah. I think of twos, twos. are very typical Absolutely. to overcommit. Sixes can just exhaust yep. themselves. They're, they have to be responsible. 
We yeah. talk about eights and their bodies that yep. sometimes their bodies sort of just give out. Yeah, because uh, they keep and, going. They keep pushing the limits in being confident that they can do it. Yeah. And their bodies finally say, uh, no more. Yeah. Well, the next one is the defier. And those who refuse to do something or those that who say they will, but they end up not doing it. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, well, as nines, we do this all the time and usually not from, you know, a bad place in our heart. We're so afraid of tension and conflict and discord. We're afraid to say no sometimes. A lot of times when we say maybe, it really is a no. And if we say yes, it's probably really a maybe. But then we've committed to it and now we're kind of stuck in this position. But a lot of times what nines will do if they really didn't want to do it, but they had said yes, they just try to kind of, I guess, hide or disappear in the situation. And that obviously only brings about their worst fear, which is conflict. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, and then the last one is the pleaser. And they just, those are people who procrastinate because they hate disappointing people. And there is a part of that in all of these various types. Yeah. I mean, obviously the nine, we talked about that. Um, You know, the, the one I would say it's more pleasing the inner critic uh, versus pleasing people. And they might not even think of it in that category. It might need to be tweaked a little bit, but they are trying to appease mm-hmm. the inner critic. Yeah, and the type two and the type six, along with the type one, they're the compliant types. And so, you know, the one is being compliant to their inner critic, the twos to other people's needs, and the sixes are trying to be responsible and dutiful. Mm-hmm. And so they can all be people pleasers, definitely alongside us nines. Well, I mean, here's the thing about uh, whenever we're dealing with topics like this is that oftentimes we will typecast or stereotype right. uh, and try to fit like, oh, well, the perfectionist must be this, the worrier must be this. Uh, the performance-oriented ones must be the threes. Yeah. But uh, the reality is, is that the Enneagram speaks to something that's so much more profound, so much deeper than that. And it's the why behind these strategies. Right. And this is where the Enneagram becomes so helpful because each Enneagram type mm-hmm. can adopt these behaviors because it's their why that is driving these behaviors. So, Beth, uh, we thought about three different categories yeah. that would help us to discern uh, and be able to uh, le- self practice self leadership when it comes to procrastination, and so we're going to go through these three different categories and how they can help you understand why you procrastinate yeah. and how to overcome. And there's it. so many more categories. We just there are for the these sake just... of time on a podcast. We thought, well, these would be really good ones to highlight. That's right. So number one is the instinctual subtypes. Number two is the core motivations, and number three is the Enneagram internal profile. Yep. Um, and so, Beth, why don't you explain to us first, what are the instinctual subtypes? Yeah. And then how does it relate to procrastination? Okay. Well, each of us are hardwired with three instincts, okay? So everyone out there that's listening, no matter what type you are, you have these three instincts. You have the self-preservation instinct, the social, and the one-to-one. Now, some Enneagram teachers call it the sexual instinct. Now, these are all necessary for our survival. No, and the interesting thing is that this is almost a precursor to yes. our main type. So right. this is how we interpret the world that our main type is then activated. Right. So think of your instinctual subtype as the light switch and your personality is the wiring in the house. Okay. Yep. So when you flick the switch on, it's going to go through the wiring and activate certain things, yep. right? Well, here it's the lights. Yep. Um, and so when your instinct is activated, kind of like when you put your hand on a stove, you're, you're instinctively going to react, right? Yes. And that is what happens also uh, for us with these three instincts. 
Now, the the thing that we want to recognize is that even though we all use all three instincts, we use them in a particular order, or mm-hmm. a lot of teachers will call it stackings. Yep. And each person, no matter what type they are, has a certain stacking. So you have one that's dominant, you have one that's second place, and then one that's third or repressed or a blind spot for us. But we're still using them all. Now, the thing that's pretty interesting about it is that Stacking pretty much stays true your whole life, but it can change up from season to season depending on what's going on. An example would be I'm more of a one-to-one type nine, which gets into more of merging and fusing with someone else in my life, and that happens someone, to someone. be you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, where I, I kid you not, little private story. This is you're going to appreciate this. So when we first started your Enneagram coach. Uh, I, at the time, was starting uh, something called Restoring Peace Ministries. I was a professional mediator and have done a lot of pastoral counseling. And we started that and your Enneagram Coach at At the the same time. time. Somebody won. I don't know who you think it is, (laughs) but uh, somebody won that competition. And there was a moment where Beth got so frustrated or just discouraged or just the difficulty of starting a business. Yeah, the inertia that we were talking about earlier. And the core lie that the nine has is, oh, I shouldn't assert myself. Yeah. No one's going to really care what I have to say. So I was like, hey, Jeff, why don't, why doesn't your Enneagram coach come under the umbrella of restoring, restoring peace? peace? And I said no. I know. And I was, I was hurt because I wanted to fuse or merge feeling that was safer, but it really wasn't. And yeah. I'm very thankful for you and knowing my issues and lovingly say, no, you need to get out there yourself and, and encourage me. It wasn't like a, a no bad, that's but right. it was a no, like, I believe in you. Yeah. Um, but that, anyway, that's the one-to-one. Right. But so that is the one-to-one nine. Yep. So fusion, merging, blending. Um, but my self-preservation is typically last the way. I still use all three quite Quite a lot. Some people, it varies the degrees. But self-preservation for me is probably the third one. But right when we were starting your Enneagram coach in that season, you didn't have a full-time job. Right. And so I only had a part-time job. And we've got teenagers and a mortgage and all the things. So everyone can understand that in that season, my self-preservation went to the top rung, uh, became the dominant one, because in that season, those were the things that were most at stake for our family. But once you got a job and things started picking up with your Enneagram coach, that um, instinct went back down to its original, more typical setting in third place for me. So to kind of summarize, just a top level understanding, we're going to get into defining each of these. But do remember, one, we all have each of the three. Number two, they come in sequence or in order for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And number three is that this is sort of the precursor to when our type comes online. So this, because we're experiencing these uh, instincts, then our main type and all the patterns that come along with right. it are activated to actually yeah, go so into it. The so. instinct happens and um, it will activate our main type's core motivation, which we'll get into his next, which also cascades into our EIP, which we'll get into the last slide. That's but right. yeah, let me just uh, give a brief overview of the self-preservation, the social, and the one-to-one instinct. Julio. Okay. So the self-preservation instinct helps us to take care of our safety, our health, well-being, and for us to obtain all the resources we need to sustain life. So I'm pretty sure everyone can admit that's pretty important. Yes. We need food. We need air. We need water. We need shelter. Um 
but then it goes into, especially living in the world that we live in, it gets into more of like comfort, exercise, um, things that are going to help us to preserve our life. Yep. Okay. Um, now, the social instinct helps us to be aware of other people. And this is about groups. This is about community, um, whether they're intimate or not. Maybe you have an association with a group, but it can be a very um, maybe like your church small group, which was much more mm-hmm. intimate. So it can be both. It is interesting to think about uh, one I, because of my mom's uh, Ill, lifelong illness. There was a lot of times that I had the certain fears around being provided for. But then whenever I become a pastor, I notice a part of my heart comes up because I, I was a part of a uh, a very distinctly clear uh, denomination that had certain beliefs and they were codified in confessions and catechisms. And so there were expectations. And I particularly noticed that mm-hmm. there's a part of my heart that shows up when I'm at regional meetings with them because you, there's a certain way that you act and a certain code of conduct well, in order. I think of it's helpful to think of the self-preservation as being, um, if you think about it, like in the um, animal kingdom, the animals that are more off by themselves, you know, like a polar bear taking care of their self-preservation. Mm-hmm. The social is much more um, the herd yep. community. Okay. Yep. And then the uh, one-to-one is much more like two mallard ducks that mm-hmm. um, are together for the rest of their lives. They're very fixated on one another and their chemistry. And so, yeah, so the the social, they they believe that if I am with a certain group and I belong, mm-hmm. we all will take care of one another and that's how I'm going to survive best. But the one-to-one is just a little bit different. They, uh, they have this instinct where they feel that there is an intense drive and desire for intimacy and constant awareness of the chemistry between themselves and a special other person. So that's, you know, for me, a really big deal to to know that we're okay as a married couple, like we're best friends, we work together, like to me, having that harmony and peace is really important. Now, people might say, well, that's because you're a type nine. Yes, it does play into that. But if there's any sort of disturbance between us, or I think that you're frustrated, it ignites the type nine core motivations in me, but you're also a one-to-one, but you're a Mm -hmm. one-to-one six. And when you worry, you are worried mainly around relationship security versus my mom, who's a self-preservation six, who is worried a lot more about food, money, shelter, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so it just plays out differently. And so it helps us to understand that within each of the types, these instincts can, um, play out in different forms. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms? who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. 
So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Well, so let's apply this idea of instincts to procrastination. And, you know, it's sort of the metaphor of what is your procrastination attuned to? Mm. What's it hooked up to? So and what that can look like is different for each instinct. So uh, one, is it I am scared that I'm going to displease this person or not come through for this person. So I I don't want to start this project. Mm -hmm. Is it that I'm going to somehow betray or not live up to the standard of a particular community? Or if I don't get this right, I'm not going to be able to provide for myself. Yeah. Uh, What other thoughts do you have about how the instincts apply to procrastination? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we need to recognize, again, that we're using all three Mm -hmm. to varying degrees. And so they're all going to manifest itself in us. And some people use them all three quite I wouldn't say equally, but pretty close. And then some use one, you know, a ton. And then the next one, maybe a little bit. And the last one is like a true blind spot. Like they they just Mm -hmm. don't see it. And we need to recognize that because sometimes we really do need to wake up to those blind spots. You know, like for me, if I don't pay attention to the self-preservation part of of myself, then maybe I'll go throughout most of the day without eating because I'm not paying Mm -hmm. attention to that part of my life when that's not good. Um, so back to, to your question. How do the instinctual subtypes apply to procrastination? Right. Okay. So when, and when we take like, let's say the type nine, for instance, because that's pretty easy for me, the type nine, again, is depending on their instinct is going to affect them. So as a type nine, if you're a self-preservation type nine, you're very fixated on your cozy comforts. So let's say you have a project or a pro, like a yeah project report due in three days, but all of a sudden you recognize that your house doesn't have any groceries in it. Like you really don't have anything to cook for that evening or the next day. You just have a few things. You're going to be much more fixated on making sure that that's being taken care of and pushing aside the report that needs to be done so that you feel that you're comfort level in the self-preservation is taken care of. Do you think that uh, for for years of nine, that um, particularly when there's uh, a project that's going to require strain or you're going to have to work harder, that there's a, there, there's a resistance to it to wait because it's going to take so much out of you? Yeah. And yeah, definitely. Though for each of the instincts, it's going to show up just a little bit different. So like for me, if I if I look in the cupboard and it's like, oh, I got some tuna and some mayonnaise, because self-preservation is last on my list, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, well, that I got obviously planned for a grocery store mm-hmm. um, errand here soon, but I'll put it aside. I won't get so fixate on it as someone that's a true self-preservation dominant style. Um, but for me, what can trip me up is if, you know, you might get frustrated let's say, with with something. And it may not even have to do with me. I may not even actually be frustrated, right, but true. there's the perception that I yes. could get frustrated. Then I might push off the thing that I needed to work on to make sure that you're okay. I, I'll be honest with you. When you say stuff like um, by not engaging in the conflict, you create it. 
like that stuff right there is what can. Because then I'll push something off to the side, then focus on you, which then creates more of a need to hustle on, let's say that report or whatever needs to happen. And then I get overwhelmed as nines, we get overwhelmed really easily. And then we can get into like a frenetic pace all because we got distracted based off of our instinct that came up. So if another type nine, that's a social nine, if they realized that they weren't, let's say, invited to something, they were left out of a group meeting or a team meeting or something, they're going to be very fixated on that and wonder why and may procrastinate actually doing the report for that group because they feel like they don't belong Mm. and they've been overlooked. So again, it's just to recognize how these things, again, like your hand on a stove, it, your instinct is to with like to pull back and like, ow, that hurts and to get all activated and defensive. And that's not necessarily wrong or bad. I, I want people, that's just instinct, but we can then think, feel and behave in ways that are unhealthy or healthy. And that's the moment where we want to become aware of what's going on internally so that we can rightfully assess if you don't have any food in the house, obviously maybe you do need to put that report off and go take care of those needs, but maybe you have food in the house, but you're feeling there's an insufficient amount, but you can still do the report and keep moving forward Mm -hmm. and take care of that later. So it's just, it's in this time of assessment and awareness. So first of all, it's uh, instinctual subtype. So how are your instincts, whether you are social, whether you are one-to-one or self-pres, how is that shaping what you are attuned to that's actually driving your procrastination? It's just a a point of uh, observation that's happening in your heart. Now, the second one that we're going to dive into, which is going to become even more clear is our core motivations for each type is that our core desire and our core fear can actually be in competition with one another that can lead to ambivalence and procrastination. Absolutely. Yeah. So we always talk about how the core motivations of each type are like everything hinges on that because it's why we think, feel and behave in particular ways. And so they can compete with the need to get things done. And we can procrastinate, like you said. So the core fear is that thing that um, we are trying to prevent at all costs. We fear it's going to happen. And so when it arises, it's definitely going to activate us and to get us moving into a particular action. And we have a desire that we we think, oh, if I just obtain this, then everything is going to be fine. Well, and the other thing is to recognize that, you know, our core weakness, that is the passion that we have, the the main weakness, the Achilles heel that we always are struggling with is going to get us off kilter as well because we're ultimately wanting the core longing. That's the message our heart longs to hear. So this whole time you're running away from your core fear, you're chasing after your core desire, stumbling over your core weakness, all in hopes of gaining your core longing. That's really what's going on. So when your core fear gets activated, you internalize it and you realize, oh my gosh, something's got to happen. I'm not getting my core desire or my core longing. And then your core weakness starts to rise up and other defensive strategies try to take over. Now, an example would be like a type two. So the type two has a report that needs to be done by tomorrow, but they notice that a coworker is in distress. The coworker might have like a family issue, but it's minor, yet they see that there's some challenging, some challenges going on. So the type two will think, oh, I have got to move into this person's mm-hmm. life because they're the two's desire, the core desire, 
is to be needed, wanted, and appreciated. And so here's my opportunity. Mm -hmm. And they fear being rejected. And if someone sees that I see they're hurting and I don't move in, they might reject me because they think I'm being selfish and mean. So that type two might put aside or procrastinate the work that needs to be done in order to move towards their coworker and the situation that they're in. But all the while thinking they're doing the right thing. When mm. in actuality, maybe that's something that they can put off for later. Even let the coworker know, like, hey, I see that you're struggling. And um, at five o'clock, I really want to hear what's going mm -hmm. on. But I got this report due. I just want you to know and recognize that I have you on my heart. Yeah. Versus putting the work aside and taking hours uh, procrastination, which only overwhelms their schedule and they feel busy and then exhausted. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to add regarding core motivations? Well, I think just recognizing that you have a core longing mm -hmm. and that core longing is really driving everything. Mm -hmm. And what we teach here at Your Enneagram Coach is that Christ has satisfied this core longing. But until we recognize that, we're trying to satisfy that core longing yep. through lots of different means. And Sometimes it's even through procrastinating, which yeah. I know sounds like, wait, what? Isn't that going to actually sabotage it? Well, you would think so, but we actually have these defensive strategies that we thought worked for us in the past, but they no longer do, but we keep doing them. And that's why waking up to what's going on internally and knowing these core motivations and having them kind of at the forefront, like, mm -hmm. so you can go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations and print off a free PDF that has all the core right. motivations. And then you can just put it right there on your mirror, your desk, whatever, to remind yourself, you know what? I wonder if I'm being activated at the core level and what's really going on. And that awareness is key to transformation. Yeah. And one of the things to realize about our core motivations and our Enneagram types, we think it's part of the basics to help us to determine our type, right. but we fail to recognize how active they actually are in all, all of our relationships. Right. And so one of the things, in, even in my own recovery, uh, sometimes I will spend two weeks just reading the problem, the solution, and the promises in the 12 steps every day because it helps to integrate yeah. what I'm learning into how I'm thinking and processing my relationships and experiences for the day. Well, the same can be true of our core motivations. By setting it in the forefront of our mind, we actually begin to integrate it and to see it show up throughout our day. So it's, it may be very well that you don't, you've never thought about that your procrastination is related to your instinctual subtype uh, or that the, it's related to your core longing, the longing that you pray and hope that Christ would fulfill, but you've sought to fulfill on your own uh, behalf. Now, this last part is yeah. the Enneagram internal profile, which is the yeah. topic of the new book that we released in September. And But this is such a helpful thing. And, and I, I, that's not intended to be boastful as if, like, here's the, your solution. <laughs> we came up with it. No, it's something that we've been using for a long time. Right. And because Enneagram internal profile says that there, there are many parts to me. Right. I'm not and, just my main type. That's right. Well, here's the thing. When you apply it to procrastination... Yeah. I'm not just a procrastinator. Yeah. There is another part of me that wants to get this job done yeah. and that feels guilty or ashamed that this other part of me is <laughs> right. holding me back, right. which helps clarify so much and gives us such an opportunity to practice self-leadership. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about EIP? 
Yeah. So in our book, um, More Than Your Number, we really have this kind of breakthrough idea about how you're more than just your main type. Now, you have connecting types, your wings and the Enneagram paths. Those are those uh, lines and arrows that are connected to two other types. And those are really important influences. Now, we use all nine types to varying degrees. So it's not just these, right. but these are our connecting types. That means that we access them very readily mm-hmm. and we access them both in healthy and all the way to unhealthy, a spectrum, depending on where our current heart condition is. Um But what we need to recognize is that, yes, our main type, like we just talked about, has core motivations and they reign supreme. They are the driving force. But these connecting types also have core motivations and they see the world from their particular lens and they like to chime in. (laughs) They like to give us insights from their perspective and what we should or shouldn't be doing. They try to give advice or just push us in a direction when they're unhealthy. But when they're unhealthy, they give us great wisdom and insight as well. And so I think it's really important for us to understand how in any particular situation, not only will your main type show up and try to divert your attention when you're not doing so well and you're stressed, but these other types in you can also affect and influence your procrastination. So just giving myself as example as a type nine, I might know that this report is due in two days, but my type six can get activated. So my six part and and start to think and worry of all the things that need to happen. Okay. I have to not only write it and research and put it together. I have to format it and I have to put a beautiful design with it. I know who who knows what else. And I have to present it to the group. Like, and then I'm now worried, am I going to be ready? So I'm think my six part is thinking of all the possibilities, negative outcomes, worst case scenarios, And that can make my type nine feel overwhelmed and then want to shut down and just stop right there. And then that's when the inertia comes on. And so that sixth part of my heart can actually create issues in the moment and create more procrastination than I would Mm -hmm. like. Now, like for a type six, something that I've noticed, um, like with Nate, our son, so he has a very strong seven part of his heart. He does. And he lo- he's an extrovert. He loves being with people. Now, if he has that report that he has to do, but some friends call up and say, hey, you want to go do some pickleball or go to a movie? Man, that seven part of his heart and six, because it's a both, mm-hmm. can go, oh, that's cool. That's that's exciting. That's adventurous. And, oh, that also, because he's also a social six, oh, that brings security to me because I'm going to be with my friends and we're going to bond and have more loyalty amongst each other. So there's this combination of fun, new novel with the seven and the six feeling secure, which can then, oh, I'll get to that report later tonight. Now, again, there's not always this black and white, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes procrastinating and putting something off can be a good thing. But we just want us to be aware of why we're choosing what we're choosing. And is it from a healthy perspective for ourselves yeah. and let's say our team, our family, whatever the situation is, am I being aware of all the the situation and what's being activated? And can I make a right decision and a healthy decision all around? You know, it's interesting as I think about EIP and how helpful it is because it helps to give language to the conflicting parts of my heart. I think of your situation, Beth, as a type nine, that there may be an eight part of you that has energy, inertia, it's ready to get going, but there's a one part of you that wants to do it perfectly. That's a great example. Okay. So we were in a TIFF one time, 
Only one, Just one only, time. Only Why one time. Why would you even say it that <laughs> <laughs> Only one time in 27 oh, sure. years. Sure. Anyway. According to the nine, we've only had one tip. <laughs> so true. Okay. So I went upstairs to process and think because that's how I, I do it. Sure. <laughs> and you that's love, what she does. You, processes you love and that. thinks. That's right. <laughs> anyway. So we were texting back and forth and we worked through the situation pretty quickly. But I was, my body was still activated, still frustrated. Angry, if you want to call it anger, nines like to call it. Nines like to call it frustration. (laughs) But you're like, hey, do you want to come down and watch a movie? Because you know we had gotten through the, the conflict, the situation, and I realized I had all that passion and that energy from my eight showing up, that wanting justice, you know. And I realized I got clarity on the thing I was stuck on at work, and I just said, hey, I really need to utilize this energy from my eight part so so that I can get through it. And you're like, totally understand. Go for it. here's the good news is that by being in conflict with me, you get more done. I think I am the solution. (laughs) Great. So is that the solution? That's the solution. Be in more conflict? We have to fight more. well, so, I mean, that's a great example. I think in my own life, there's uh, there's this competition of whenever I'm feeling anxious about a particular project, there's a part of me that wants to go research at five and read books. And yeah. there's a part of me that wants to get rid of my anxiety, the seven part. Yeah. And so uh, they're in conflict but with one another. But then the three another. is scared of failing. Sh- oh, that's right, of failing. And then the nine is there to shut it shut all it down. Shut it all down. <laughs> so, but even think about it for, let's say, a type two, yeah. uh, where... They're wanting to do it right and according to their standards, but they also have a three wing that's very attuned to the opinions and thoughts and perceptions of other people. And so wanting it to do it their way versus doing it another person's way that they're going to perceive as being helpful according to their terms versus the two saying, no, this is the way I'm going to do it. Uh, Even if you think about a type four in the competition between maybe being more private and uh, removed from people at five, but three showing up and actually getting stuff done. Yeah. That these things are in conflict within us. Now, there's part of us that here, here's the great news is that, you know, at the end of Romans chapter seven, Paul says, who's going to save me from this uh, experience <laughs> that I have of conflicting parts of me? But that's where Jesus comes in yeah. because he gives us peace when our hearts are at rest with the truth of the gospel. Now, the beauty of all this is that we're talking about procrastination. And so here are some areas that you can go and investigate and look at. Why am I procrastinating? Is it something related to uh, my uh, instinctual subtypes? Yeah, and a great place to learn about each of the nine types, instinctual uh, subtypes, is we did a social series on all three of them in middle, or I think like mid-November. Yeah. So go back to mid-November and look at um, the post on that, and you'll get a good sense of how your type shows up, which one's more dominant, which one's second, and which one is more of a blind spot. And the next area is our core motivation. So you can go and get the download that Beth talked about earlier, youreneagramcoach.com yep. forward slash motivations or core motivations? Core motivations. Core motivations. And you get a free download and start reflecting on those. How is that shaping? How are your core motivations shaping procrastination in your life? And then lastly is the Enneagram internal profile. And there's a book for that. Who knew? There you go. And so matter of fact, even like the back third of the book. Oh, it's gold. I mean, that those are the the hits that we play on the radio. It's the cheat sheets for each type. And so we talk through how all of our our connecting types, how they actually function for us. And so be sure to go pick up more than your number. You can buy it wherever books are sold uh, to learn about your own internal or Enneagram internal profile and how 
these parts are infecting, are well, but not only that, but procrastination. It's really helpful to get the book if you are in relationship with anyone. So, for instance, like if you have coworkers. Man, I mean, isn't that true, Bethy? Because you notice in me when yep. certain parts of me are activated. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes we're we're so used to doing our defensive strategies or utilizing different parts of us that we are not always aware. And so, but don't use it as a sword or as, an, or as a shield. That's right. So when you recognize someone in your life, a coworker, a child, a parent, a best friend, whoever it is, um, is getting derailed or off track or procrastinating in a way that's not helpful, ask curious questions. Don't use the information as a sword or as a shield or like, oh, this is just how I am. You're just going to have to deal with it. Christ compels us to become more like him, to transform, to grow. And so we want to use these things to not keep on condemnation, guilt, and shame for ourselves and others, but to use it as an invitation to surrender and to depend on Christ all the more and to have the Holy Spirit reveal to us what we need. But that book, the pack of the book, is really the cheat sheets. You guys got to check it out to see what I'm talking about. But it really gets to the point of EIP and what's going on. That's right. Well, hey, these kinds of insights, even to applying the Enneagram to procrastination and what productivity looks like for each type, uh, maybe it's hard to do it alone and you'd like to do it with a coach. Well, we've got certified coaches that are waiting to help you. If you head over to myenneagramcoach.com, you're going to be able to find a coach, whether it be local, whether someone online, or has some specific training that's going to help you to accomplish the desires that, uh, that you want for your life. And so, uh, Beth, um, any last words you want to say? Yeah, just recognize that there is a spectrum, guys. Sometimes procrastination is a good thing because other things need to be taken care of, and sometimes it's not. Being aware is what's important. And so in the book, More Than Your Number, we also talk about the AWARE acronym. How can we become aware in a healthy way? So check that out because that's going to be really helpful in utilizing the information that you have to uh, the betterment of your own life and your relationships. But also remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder, because it's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us.